it's Lake of the Week Day in the sense that we are putting a spotlight on a lake. But usually, when we do Lake of the Week Day, it's a lake you maybe haven't heard of. Well, you've heard of this one. We're putting the spotlight on one of the gems, one of our season previews. We talk Red Lake next. in the sand pulling in a big catch makes me feel like a man but the wife she just don't understand i love walleye perch trout and bass and if you don't like fishing you can kiss my four stroke right in the back because the fishes all tremble at the thought of me and when i'm fishing for bun in country this is fishing paul bunyan country presented by northland fishing tackle Red Lake is going to be very, very busy come Saturday. A lot of people will be fishing that lake for the opener, and why not? It is loaded with walleyes. Andy Thompson joins me. He is the acting supervisor out of the Bemidji Area Fisheries Office. And Andy, this is just a great story, the the, the rebirth of the Red Lake fishery. It's, it's not a new story anymore. I think it was, what, 20 years ago this thing got rebuilt? Yeah, yeah. It started, uh, well, really even... Even before that, probably in uh, 1997, even before I was working in this office. Um, for those who aren't familiar, new to town, or maybe listening online and are lear- learning about uh, Paul Bunyan Country, uh, that this incredible walleye fishery almost uh, was bereft completely of walleyes and, and really needed to be rebuilt from the ground up. Yeah, it was deemed uh, collapsed, uh, which kind of meant that uh, you know there weren't enough enough adult walleyes left in the population to to sustain themselves. Without some dr- drastic measures, you know, it, they wouldn't have come back. So, uh, and again, it's it's a long time ago, and I don't remember all the details, but basically, they completely shut down walleye fishing. It took uh, multi-jurisdictional uh, cooperation, and still to this day does, and involved uh, basically no walleye fishing for five to ten years, I'm thinking. Yeah, it was about, uh, I think, six years with, with no walleye fishing at all. Okay. And then and, and just a really, really aggressive stocking program, um, uh, Red Lake Nation, uh, f- uh, fisheries people working with the DNR, and I think the federal government was involved as well. That's right. Yeah, it was a, a definitely a cooperative venture between uh, you know the Red Lake Nation and the DNR and the federal government, and uh, we uh, we put it all together and and it worked out. So it it just goes to show that those two big bodies of water, Upper and Lower Red Lake are walleye machines, and once um, once we let nature take its course and got out of its way, it's amazing. It's it's now just cranking out walleyes like crazy. Yeah, that's right. It it uh, it it didn't take much for natural reproduction to take over. It just we just needed some fish in there, and that's that's what it took. And uh, I remember uh, talking to Gary Barnard, the the, the re- now retired area supervisor. When we had those young fish established, but they were still too young to spawn, um, you know, we were speculating a little bit and, and uh, wondering, would, will they actually spawn? And we we concluded that they've got to. The lake is just too productive, and uh, the habitat's too good. They they 
have to. And uh, sure enough, we were pleased to see that they did. Went from, uh, if I recall, the first, I, mean, I might have even been one, two or one walleye was the, the limit, and it got a little more open. And now we're to the point now, Andy, going into this year, we're, we're for the last number of years now, we are very comfortable with a four-fish limit. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, we, we started fishing very cautiously and conservatively, um, both uh, on the state side and the and the Red Lake Nation side. And, uh, you know, it just kind of gradually ramped, ramped the fishery up um, to see, you know, take, take, you know, we measured what we, what we took and still do every year and then uh, tried to determine, you know, how that affected the, the population and then and then uh, gradually just taking a um, little bit bigger bite every year, it seems. Okay. Um, so uh, this year, a new regulation in place, not as far as numbers of fish, but uh, a slot limit. So what is that for this year? Well, for walleye, it's, uh, the regulation is, is different from last spring, but uh, unchanged from this past winter. So it's a, it's a four-fish limit with a one over 17 inch um, size regulation so you can have one fish larger that you don't have to have one fish larger than 17 inches but you can okay and then the other the rest of them have to be smaller than 17. okay um and uh what is it about the red lake system that makes it so incredibly productive well it's uh you know it's a really simple fish community um, that seems to help, um, and it, it's pretty productive water. You know, it's a big shallow lake. It warms up pretty quick. Um, has has really good populations of shiners and yellow perch, which is the primary forage. Uh, doesn't have uh, ciscos or tulabies like you normally associate with a with a bigger water in this part of the country. Um, it does have lake whitefish and some unique species like gold eye, more more riverine species, um, gold eye, freshwater drum, quillback. But really, it's it's the shiners and the perch that seem to to drive the system. It's a lake of the week on steroids. We've got the spotlight on Red Lake, one of the big gems of Paul Bunyan country. Much more to go with Andy Thompson next. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country, presented by Northland Fishing Tackle. Fish and Paul Bunyan Country, presented by Northland Fishing Tackle, celebrating our 30th anniversary and taking a look at one of the gems of Paul Bunyan Country, Red Lake. Andy Thompson, the Area Fisheries Supervisor, Acute Area Fisheries Supervisor out of the Bemidji office, joining me today. And Andy, when we're fishing for walleyes, we're always hearing about they're in the weeds or um, on structure. Well, Red Lake doesn't really have weeds and it really doesn't have much structure either. Yeah, not a whole lot of that. It's it's got some rocky areas here and there. Um, the the main piece of structure that people really key in on early in the season is the 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 first main shoreline break, which is can be quite a ways offshore. But uh, that first big break where it drops from you know three or four feet to seven or eight feet. Okay, and, and again, uh, it's it's just a tremendous fishery. It's been doing quite well. Um, one of the problems that uh, has occurred on Red, as has occurred on so many of our other really 
um, busy waters, we do have zebra mussels in there now. Uh, yes, unfortunately, they they made their way to the lake. Um, we're we're very disappointed to discover that. Um, but with uh, you know with the volume of boat traffic that that lake gets, I guess it was it was not a, a total surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also had had discovered prior to the zebra mussel, um, Starry Stonewort was established in a in a boat harbor. Um, as far as we know, that was it was treated, and I don't know if it was eliminated, uh, but it, as far as we know, it hasn't spread out of those. It was a couple different boat harbors, actually. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, we, we really won't know until it plays itself out or advances, but um, any thoughts on what kind of impact the zebra mussels will have on red? Yeah, it's... Uh, We've speculated about that a little bit. Um, it, it, uh, I think there's a chance that they won't um, disrupt the ecosystem as much as as they have in some other lakes. Um, partly to, due to the level of productivity that that lake has, uh, as well as the kind of the substrates. You know, there's vast areas of that lake bottom are um, nothing but hard clay. And, uh, you know, there's not a lot of vegetation, not a lot of rocks, not a lot of good surfaces for those zebra mussels to attach to. They will attach to themselves um, and form kind of form their own colonies, I guess you could say. Uh, But, you know, I'm hopeful that they're not going to be as disruptive in that system as they have been in some other systems. Okay. Um, let's talk a little bit about northerns. Uh, I know there's a new northern regulation as well. Yeah, the, the northern pike regulation has has kind of evolved uh, since we started, uh, you know, reopened the lake to walleye fishing in 2006. Um, we started also with a northern pike regulation that has since changed uh, once, and now it's changed again for the second time, uh, starting this season in 2020. And it is now going to be uh, the same regulation that has been in place on Lake of the Woods for some time. It's a, a 30 to 40 inch protected size range uh, with a three fish limit, but only one fish lar- larger than 40 inches is allowed. And then the other others would have to be smaller than 30. So very different from most of our uh, our uh, northern regulations. Now it's not not like the zone regulation at all. Yeah, that's right. It's uh, it's somewhat similar to the zone regulation that exists in the northeastern corner of the state, the Arrowhead region, mm-hmm. and it's really geared towards towards um, both both that that zone regulation and as well as the the Lake of the Woods and the Upper Red Lake regulation. It's geared towards uh, you know kind of like trophy populations or or really high quality northern pike populations where fish can actually exceed 40 inches in size and, and commonly do. Um, so it protects, a, you know, that size of 30 to 40 inches. That's when they're, when they get to that point, they've got a chance to, to get even bigger as long as they're protected. And uh, they often do. 
Yeah, I know that uh, that's one of the things they've been, uh, you know, in addition to, of course, the great walleye fishing, one of the things they've been kind of pushing over there is the, the fact that you can get a trophy northern there. Yep, that's right. It's uh, They're not easy to catch. Um, you know, the, the northern pike tend to be... Uh, have narrow windows when they're really biting well um so you really got timing is is important it seems like um but there's there's times in the winter and in right in the middle of the summer when it's as hot as it is as it's going to get uh when the pike can turn on and and uh, fishing can get pretty good one of the byproducts all those years ago of the walleye collapse was uh red lake turning itself into maybe the most amazing crappie fishery anybody's ever seen as far as pure numbers and unbelievable sizes. And it was crazy for a long time. And they basically, you know, the, the fishing businesses survived on that for a while. Uh, obviously, with the walleyes back, that kind of has gone away. But I, I think there's still some pretty good crappie fishing at times in that lake, is there not? Yeah, they, 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 they've uh, the crappies have kind of become... Um, a background species again, which, which they were for a long time, um, you know, prior to the the collapse of the walleye population, and then, and then they, along with a number of other species, really capitalized on that that void of predators in the lake. Um, you know, not only the crappies, but uh, the pike did really well. Um, the white, the lake whitefish, uh, had a had a, an amazing run there for a while. And uh, the the crappies were were maybe the most noteworthy. Um, certainly attracted the most interest. And uh, they they it really was built on just a couple of really good year classes that occurred and and survived in in you know really strong numbers and grew really fast and uh, provided a a lot of people a, a lot of fun up there for a while. Actually, now we 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 continue to see crappies at at background levels, but we have actually noticed uh, a recent year class that seems to be a little bit stronger than than the the typical ones. Not not quite what what those um, other year classes were that uh, that really built that crappie fishery. But I think there's going to be uh, a little bit of a noticeable uh, crappie population here for the coming few years. <music> This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country, presented by Northland Fishing Tackle. Bemidji Area Acting Supervisor Andy Thompson, my guest, as we put the spotlight on Red Lake. Not so much this past year, because it was kind of a lousy uh, ice fishing year pretty much everywhere, but uh, the last few years prior to that, the winter pressure on Red Lake has been astronomical, beyond the summer pressure. Has that caused any issues or not? Well, it's uh, it's it's difficult to manage that kind of pressure, and and uh, not only for for us, but for the you know the resorts and the the, the road, the people that plow the roads and things like that. But uh, everybody seems to to uh, enjoy it. Um, one of the things that I think that leads to that pressure is that we get pretty early ice up here compared to the rest of the state. You know, that mm-hmm. lake is shallow; it cools off quickly, and 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 pretty far north, so we get some some good cold weather early, and uh, it freezes up early, and the fishing can be really good on that early ice, and that 
that really drives a lot of the pressure. That's when we get uh, probably at least half the pressure occurs in December most years. Uh, obviously, zebra mussels is something you're watching. Anything else uh, going on in Red Lake that that's, uh, you guys are watching closely right now? Well, I think really it comes down to uh, harvest management for us. We, we we measure the harvest all the time, and uh, you know we need to make sure we're not over harvesting that population as as we know it's it's vulnerable. Um, so really, we we put a lot of time and effort into into monitoring harvest and and evaluating harvest and evaluating the population on an ongoing basis. What is the mechanism, because you're working with, again, uh, different agencies, what's the mechanism for for putting uh, rules and regulations each year in place? Yeah, we we have what we call an emergency rulemaking process, which is a little bit of a misnomer because it's not really an emergency usually uh, for us, um, but it, it is a process that allows us to be flexible and, and change regulations every year. We're working on trying to get a, a different process set up, you know, specifically for what we would call intensive management waters. Um, and I think we're going to have, we're, we're probably actually already working with the legislature on setting up a process like that so that we can, you know, have that flexibility to make changes. But, uh, you know, we, we, we convene a, uh, we, we have a, a, what we call a citizen's advisory committee of, uh, you know, a number of, of interests represented around the lake, uh, business uh, interests, angling interests, um, you know, whether, whether they're interested in the economy part of it or the, the actual fishing part of it, we we try to cover all those bases, and meet with those people regularly to uh, update them on our population monitoring and our harvest management, and um, you know talk about you know objectives for for harvesting the population, and uh, you know that really goes a long ways towards um, making recommendations, uh, knowing that we've got the support of of you know a segment of the of the public okay um we'll we'll have you be a a teacher uh what's your letter grade for red lake right now letter grade uh it's hard not to give it a an a if not an a plus it's uh it just keeps plugging away um we've we've got a situation now with the walleye um population that's been dominated by a strong uh, year class, the 2011 year class, so which is now just turning nine years old. And that, that year class has been, has been dominant, and it's uh, to the point where following year classes have been, um, you know, either weak or just maybe average. And uh, so we're now that we're seeing that year class start to age out, and uh, actually last year we we had some regulations designed to uh, kind of take advantage of the tail end of that year class as well, and and harvest some of those fish. We're, we've seen the the spawning stock abundance decline uh, to what we consider optimal levels instead of surplus levels where it was before, and so we think that that's going to um, allow the lake to really, um, you know, 
take care of itself better and, and maybe kick out at the next strong year class. Um, so if that happens, uh, we'll definitely give it an A+. Plus. Okay. And just to clarify, um, and, and it's, been a, it's been a while, but I don't, you haven't been stocking this lake recently, have you? No, not at all. Um, we, we really, it, the, those, those recovery level stockings that we did were done three times in uh, 1999, 2001, and 2003. And we followed up um, that 2003 stocking with a couple of very small, by comparison, um, what we called more research level stockings where we were, we were trying to learn from those and we did learn um, quite a bit more because we had learned so much from those first three stockings. We we just kind of wanted to keep building on that as much as possible. So, really, the last the last stocking was in 2005. So that was it's been 15 years, and we've we've seen a number of naturally reproduced year classes since then. Great. Andy Thompson is the Acting Area Fisheries Supervisor doing our usual uh, Red Lake preview as we get ready for Fishing 2020. Andy, thank you for your time today. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. That is going to be one busy lake on Saturday, no question about it. A lot of lakes are going to be very busy as we have uh, license sales way, way up for this fishing season. Tomorrow as we head into the weekend, we'll have a couple more of our experts in to get you ready for the opener, including Toby Kavalivag of Leisure Outdoor Adventures. That's it for today. I'm Kev Jackson. Thanks for joining us. Fish hail, bump on, yeah, country, country.